Hello everyone, and welcome to Explore Our Story with Dan Schmaltz. Season 2, Episode 3, The Night is Always Darkest Just Before the Dawn, Galt After the Cholera. Last time we covered one of the darkest chapters in Galt's history, the cholera outbreak of 1834. This event almost destroyed the small village less than 20 years after its creation, with between 20 and 25% of its population of 200 to 250 people succumbing to the disease all in less than a week. It looked like Galt was doomed, but like Harvey Dent says in The Dark Night, and the title of this episode, the night is always darkest just before the dawn. Yes, I'm a nerd, and I had to use that reference. Galt would recover, not just as a small little village, but it would recover to become the most prominent settlement in uh, what later became the city of Cambridge. It would take time, though, as the little village had been decimated. Our old friend James Young wrote about uh, that this period saw rapid growth and eventually prosperity. But first he notes that Main Street wasn't exactly the most impressive-looking main road, and it was nowhere close to being a thriving place for business. He writes that there were very few buildings, that the road was very rough and muddy most of the time. He quotes a letter from Adam Ainsley, yes, the namesake of the street, to give us a more detailed description. Quote, When I came to Galt in November 1834, Main Street was defined by a dry stone dike running down each side from the pond at the creek. On the north side, there was H.G. Barlow's Tavern, now the Galt Hotel, opposite to the entrance to J.K. Andrews's gristmill, now Gavin Hume's. Next to the tavern was a house occupied by Isaac Sowers, no doubt Scrimger's feed store, who acted then as a hatter. There was a gate in the wall where Ainsley Street connects with Main Street. On the south side of the street, whereabouts Strong's and Fleming's stores stand, there was an enclosed yard with a barn in it. Here Mr. Shade kept his working oxen. At the corner was Mr. Shade's white store, which was called the cash store. On the opposite side, where the commercial buildings now are, there was the red store, also his, which was the credit one. About halfway down from the tavern, there was a shocking mud hole where foot passengers had to cross on a plank since it extended across the street and there was no getting around it. These were all the buildings on Main Street except the old schoolhouse at the edge of the pond which was being plastered. So then Young continues, quote, This is not a very flattering picture of what is now the principal street in Galt. But it is no doubt a faithful representation of what it was just after the calamity of the cholera and before the subsequent revival took place. Part of why the village had yet to experience significant growth can be partially attributed to the fact that most everything in Galt still went through two men. Young notes that until this point, settlers of Galt were almost entirely dependent on William Dixon and Absalon Shade, Galt's two principal founders. They controlled most of the businesses in town, owned nearly all the land, the only exceptions being any they had chosen to sell. Everyone was indebted to the two men in some way or another. Shade's red and white stores, located on the corners of Main and Water Streets, 
were the only real stores in town at that point. Absalon Shade had built the first bridge across the river in 1819, and it led directly to his stores. Everyone had to pass them, and it funneled business directly to Shade. Side note, this bridge was rebuilt many times over the years, as the Grand was notorious for flooding and washing away wooden bridges, until 1831 when the current bridge was built. So Absalon Shade was an incredibly savvy businessman. He owned much of the land that Dixon didn't, and invested much in farming along with his businesses. James Young wrote of an example of his keen business sense. So Shade was asked by William Dixon to purchase the Dumfries Mill, a mill that Shade himself had been managing for a number of years. Absalon agreed to purchase only after Dixon agreed that for a stipulated period of time, no lots would be sold in the village that might be used for mills, stores, or other businesses of a competitive nature with Mr. Shade's enterprises, thus ensuring him a mercantile monopoly in the settlement. This eventually began to change, though, and the main reason um, uh, was the population boom Galt experienced in the years after the cholera. By 1840, just six years after the cholera, Galt's population would reach 1,000. A construction boom around Main and Water Streets contributed as well as new development across the river. As we discussed in episode 13 of season 1, by the mid-1830s, Galt founder William Dixon developed a plan to establish the town center of Galt on the west bank of the Grand River, in the area now centered on what we know as Queen Square. Now the cholera had now that the cholera had subsided, the plan could finally come to fruition. Jim Quantrell describes Dixon's plans for this area in his book A Part of Our Past. That plan, prepared in May 1836, called for an area called the Marketplace to be located on the open space now occupied by Queen Square. Interestingly, the preparation of the plan follows by less than one year the completion of Mr. Dixon's King's Arms Hotel, which had been built adjacent to the proposed marketplace and town center. There is no question that the designation of this area adjacent to, the ho- to his hotel as the marketplace and town center was, in part, a method to improve the local hotel's business prospects. The plan also declared that Market Street would run from Marketplace to the present site of Trinity Anglican Church. It also named the street running parallel to the Grand River Main Street for a time. Galt had two Market Streets, one on Queen Square and the other, now Cambridge Street, running north from the rear of the City Hall and no doubt adjacent to an already established Marketplace. The plan to make the area around Queen Square the town uh, center was met with resistance and did not take hold primarily because it did not reflect the economic reality of the time. The townspeople saw the east bank of the river as the place where they did business. This is where the general store was, this is where the taverns and the mills were located, and this is where the market must have been located. For them, this was the town center, and they saw no need to change. It seems that if the market did not already exist when this map was drawn, there would have been no difficulty in locating the market in what is now Queen Square. The fact that the market was never located there suggests that merchants and customers were already well entrenched in a location on the east side of the river. 
were not and they were not about to change the location just because the market was a place was placed somewhere else on a map. The original location of the market remains uncertain, but the location is not as much a mystery as the exact date of the first market. Evidence suggests that the that that the the market has been uh, the in the present location since at least the 1830s and is likely that it had been there from the very beginning of the market. It has been customary in North America and many parts of Europe to locate the market close to the town hall. In Galt, after 1838, that would have been near the present site of the Cambridge Historic City Hall. If you want to learn more about Queen Square and the surrounding area, please check out episode uh, 13, part 1 and 2 for more information. So you'll see that, that there is a lot of development on that side of the river after the cholera. So also around this time, as we noted in the last episode, the macadamizing or paving of the road that we now call Dundas Street was also crucial to the growth of Galt, as it allowed commerce to more easily um, traverse to and from Galt to other settlements like Hamilton and Preston. Young also writes that just before the, this time, um, the const- uh, construction of the Galt Dam near what is now Park Hill Road started. The project was started by the Honorable Robert Dixon, son of William Sr. And after a series of issues, including the death of, uh, of John Kane, the civil engineer tasked with completing it, it was it and the mills that would harness the power of the river wouldn't be completed until years later but would eventually also help with the growth of Galt. So Galt also saw a cultural growth um, after the cholera as well, with the founding of what became the first library in 1836, and then the Galt Curling Club in 1838. Now Galt, with its rich Scottish history, was a natural location for curling, and the curling club continues to this day and is located on Dunbar Road near the, the Cambridge Humane Society. During this time, Galt also saw its uh, first dramatic company. Young notes that several citizens joined together to form this theater club. Quote, their first appearance was in some part of the old red store, which was fitted up with rising seats for the occasion. But as soon as the township hall was finished, it became the place for holding entertainments. And how ill-fitted it was for this person, a purpose, only those who recollect Noah's Ark, as it was called, will understand. It was, however, made as presentable as possible. The scenery was painted by Mr. Glennie, whose musical abilities have already been referred to. This gentleman was also skillful in handling the brush, and a landscape by moonlight, which was among his scenes, would have done no discredit to the boards of Covenant Garden or Drury Lane. Now, when they refer to the town hall, they're referring to the building that now stands at 56 to 58 Cambridge Street and not Historic City Hall on Dixon Street. It's worth noting that the older building, constructed in about 1838 or so, was originally on the site of Historic City Hall on Dixon Street and was moved to its current location using logs. Now, a funny story from the old Landmark Series article that appeared in the newspaper is that every January, citizens would meet at the Old Town Hall for the annual township meeting, after which several townsfolk would flock to nearby taverns and engage in drunken brawls. Absalon Shade eventually had enough of this and made every drunken hooligan remove a stump from the township's roads. 
Shortly after, not a single stump remained on the roads. Galt now seemed to be turning the corner from the dark days of the cholera, and there was more to come that helped continue the renaissance uh, for the little village and leave the memory of the preceding years behind. The 1840s, uh, Galt saw the beginnings of industry, with the Galt foundry being built in 1842. This would later uh, develop into the Golden McCullough Company Limited. It was a massive part of what led to Galt being known as the Manchester of Canada. The Industrial Revolution was beginning, and one more factor emerged that really made Galt explode with progress, and that was the introduction of the railroad. The days of settlements being difficult to reach would be a thing of the past. Railroads revolutionized the world, and the tiny uh, village of Galt would never be the same again. Next time, we'll look at uh, continuing to at the development of Galt and move into the 1850s. We'll look at how the railways changed everything, the further development of industry and textiles, and how the tiny village of Galt became the town of Galt, the most prosperous settlement in what became, at that time, was Waterloo County. It will also be time for us to say farewell to two giants of Galt's history, as William Dixon and Absalon Shade, the two men most responsible for the settlement that became Galt, will take their final bows. As always, please give Explore Our Story a follow on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to download it on your favorite podcast app like Spotify or Apple. If you have any questions about the podcast or any topics you want to see covered, you can contact me at exploreourstorypodcast at gmail.com. Join me again next time as we continue to explore our story. <laughs>